This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. All right, let's, uh, let's remain standing here. Why don't you just, I know you've just eaten, so let's close our eyes. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and just begin blessing him out loud. Come on. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice to the Lord. Jesus, we love you. You're holy and kind and wonderful. Just forget about everything right now. Everything. Every eye closed, every hand lifted. Nothing matters now but the Lord himself. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the majesty, and all the praise. There's none in heaven like you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. I give you all the praise. Just begin to sing in the Spirit all over the room, all over the room. Lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice. That's it, 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 that's it.
voice. Mike, all the glory. Holy, holy, strong, mighty, wonderful, perfect, and pure. here this afternoon just begin to bless him love on him with your mouth come on let it out it's only Thanksgiving if it's given away you gotta actually release it we give you all the glory all the honor thank you Jesus for the blood thank you for the power of the cross thank you Jesus for the coming of the Holy Spirit thank you Jesus for the promise of your word thank you that your word You honor it above your own name. 
that you're faithful and true, that you're kind and merciful and long-suffering, and that you are fire. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. Now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that your power would flow through this room, that you would fill every square inch of the civic right now in Jesus' name, that every heart would be filled and charged with the presence of your Spirit, that you'd give us eyes to behold Jesus and blind us to everything else, and that your power would flow and that mighty signs and wonders would be done here in Jesus' name, that Jesus would be so highly exalted. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Oh, come on, you've got to ask him for you. Do it, Lord. Do it in me. Do it in me. Do it and make it personal. Come on, begin to ask the Lord to touch your life. Praise you, Father. Praise you, wonderful Lord. You are amazing. You are amazing. Wonderful. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what you love to do and glorify Jesus here. It's what you do, Lord. Today's no different. It's what you do. It's what you do. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, 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 come. Change us forever today. Don't leave us this way. In Jesus' name. I, I want you. I want you to lift uh, the most real, authentic, costly praise you know to offer right now. And I want you to seal everything we just prayed. Come on, lift a praise. Lift a praise.
wonderful all your ways rightly do they love you nothing could be more right than loving Jesus ah, amen amen can we give the Lord one more praise bless you Lord bless you Lord bless you Lord, bless you, Lord. all right just look at someone and smile <laughs> and have a seat Wow, thank you, Lord. Let's just be attentive to his presence. Come on. Let's not, let's not change the dial. Anybody love Jesus here? Anybody uh, addicted? Oh, it's such a joy to be here. It's good to be home. On the mothership. <laughs> I love you, Bill. Love you so much. Eric and Candace, you're amazing. Love you. That was the most, I think probably the most heartfelt interview I've ever been a part of. And uh, pretty hard to mess that one up. Especially with Candace crying while she's asking you questions. It's just like, when the questions are more anointed than the answers, you, that's a good interview. <laughs> It's an honor. I think I see Jay there. Love you, man. Love you so much. How I love Jay Valentin. Thank you for connecting me with him, Bill. Changed my life. We love you, bro, so much. Is that you, Lauren? You're not sitting with him? <laughs> I was looking for Lauren. I was like, I... oh, you're in front of him. I see that. It's quite biblical. Good job. All right. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, David Wagner, thank you for being a prophet who lifts Jesus high. Thank you. So refreshing. Well, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. I don't have anything else. So I have one message. Sometimes it comes out a few different ways. I think one of, the, uh, one of the encouraging things that we've been experiencing here over the last two days is I, I believe we're really hearing the same thing. I think it really began with Bill and what he talked about last night and then, which to me was really about living in union with the Lord um, and learning to walk with the actual person of the Lord. And then David Wagner basically said the same thing as he felt that the Lord was calling us into the holiness of his presence. For some wild reason, the word holiness has become almost like a curse word in, in some revival circles. I don't understand it. Because the enemy wants us to believe that it is the antithesis of grace. And it's not. Uh, true grace is to call us into the nature of the Lord, and he is incredibly holy. In fact, the word holy actually means he is completely other than and perfectly complete. He is amazing. So even in our redeemed state, we will forever behold and be amazed by the holiness of Jesus. P put it this way. In, there will never come a moment in heaven where Jesus bows down to us and worships us. 
So while it's healthy to understand our identity, the proof of our identity is a fixation with the Lord himself. It's really important that we understand that. So I feel the Lord speaking here, and what we actually need is, we need the Holy Spirit, number one, to hear what he's saying, but we also need another encounter to be able to deliver it properly. And what the Lord's really doing is what Bill talked about last night. He is, he is getting what he wants out of the journey, and what the Lord wants out of it is us. That's really what he's after. I... Uh, how many of you know your life changes when your first child arrives? Does anyone know that? Yeah. I remember driving in my car all alone, screaming. Just screaming. I lived in Orange County. I was driving down the 73. It was a toll road. And, and I finally realized I cannot go where I want to go when I want to go. And I just yelled, ah, I forever changed. I'll never forget the moment that hit me. Wait, I can't go there right now? I can't go play golf right now? I can't go fishing. I have a human when, that I need to take care of. When, when, my son, when my son was bored, my mom was in the room and Jesse was working hard. And <laughs> it took forever. How long was the pregnancy? Like 25 hours? I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. The delivery. The delivery, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the delivery. The delivery. How long was that? Yeah, so like I started, the doctor goes, hey, you guys need to pray. For some reason, the baby's taking a while. I think he did have the cord wrapped around his neck. And Being the family we grew up in, there just always seemed to be TBN anointing oil somewhere. That, so I was like, just happened to be there. I was like, oh, wow, what do you know? A, T, a vial with the TBN logo, and it was just there. So we grabbed it, and I went to anoint Jess because I didn't know what else to do. I'm, if, for all of you men who've seen your wife give birth the first time, you're like, wow, you know? So I went to anoint her on the head and she smelled it. And she, she looked up and goes, what is that? Get it away from me right now. So I backed off. And then, uh, then I got nervous and almost passed out in the corner. <laughs> so one of the nurses had to take care of me. She was giving me ice chips in the corner. That's so funny. So, so my son came out, Theo Michael, and uh, it just all hit me. I looked at my mom. I go, are they a lot of work? <laughs> she goes, yep, for a long time. But I'll never forget that year, the baby screaming, you're not sleeping very well. And finally, after that first year, I, uh, you know, started sleeping better and then the Lord would wake me up at three in the morning. I mean, and I knew it was the Lord because I had no desire to do that and it had to be the Lord. And you know how when the Lord wakes you up, you are up and ready to roll. You feel this quickening. And so I said, Lord, why are you doing this? And this is what he told me. It changed my life. Clear as day, he said, because I've been waiting for you all night. And so oftentimes what the Lord does is he begins to engage us. He begins to show us what the more is by revelation through the scriptures with a perfect understanding that it will require a faithful 
committed devotional life and we begin to realize that if I am away from him, there's no way that will happen. We think it's all about that thing happening. But what the Lord is really after is the relationship. And so we even find that in the nature of his voice. He whispers. He's, a, he's more often a whispering shepherd than a shouting shepherd. And the reason he whispers is because he understands that the tone of his voice requires nearness. It requires walking with him. So I, I, I love evangelists. I haven't figured out what I, I am yet. I really don't care. I just love Jesus and I'll let him write the story. But one of the issues I find in the evangelism world is this perception that I don't need worship, I don't need presence, just give me a mic and I'll let it fly. And for some reason, there's been this chasm between a house of presence and the harvest. And we fail to realize that this thing is a commission. So regardless of your, whether or not you're coming into the house or going out onto the field, it still requires us and Jesus walking hand in hand. The last thing you want to do is go on the commission with distance between you. Then it's just a mission. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So Jesus, I believe, is after something. And I'm hearing a singular tone this week. And this is what I be- believe he's after. Everything. Everything. He, he, he refuses to be an addition. Do you know the Holy Spirit, what he does not do is make our good meetings better meetings? If he's not there, as I said this morning, they are not Christian meetings. It doesn't matter if the building we meet in has a cross on a steeple. If the Lord is not there, it's not his meeting. So when the presence of God becomes a side issue, God has become a side issue. And we need to realize that when we got born again, we didn't join some random group, some random demographic, or we didn't check off some box in heaven, or we did, we married God. Are you hearing me? We married him. Isaiah 54, 5 says, don't you know that your maker is your husband? Hosea chapter 2 says, one day I will allure her, speaking of Israel, but also speaking to us, the church. I will allure her into the wilderness. In other words, the Lord will begin to draw us into a place where there's no one else. And there he said, I will speak kindly to her and I will betroth her to me forever. Jesus did not merely blot our sin away when we got saved, though he did. He bought us. Are you hearing me? He purchased us. The moment we made him Lord, we announced, you own me. You own me. And so what I sense the Lord doing in the nations is this. The Holy Spirit is making Jesus all in all in our hearts. All in all. He must be everything or he is nothing.
I'll never forget being invited to uh, be on this TV show. It goes around the world, and the, the host came up to me. He goes, hey, what are we going to talk about? I said, uh, we're going to talk about Jesus. He said, no, and what else? I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't got anything. I don't have anything else to talk about. I haven't talked to you about golf or fishing or something, but I don't. He said, well, we have 26 minutes to fill. And I said, bro, we can go 26 days. He's beautiful. He's holy. He's kind. He's fire. He's wind. He saved my soul. He wounded my heart. He bought me. He loves me. Let's just go. Let's pull the trigger and go for him. So 26 minutes later, the guy was like, you just talked about Jesus for 26 minutes. And here's the wild thing is he pastored a church of 15,000 people. his house it's his he bought it with blood that's what the Bible says we were purchased with the blood of the son of God it's his I feel like I'm with family so I'm going to let it fly okay where did we buy the lie that miracles were for Wednesday nights when everybody left God's looking for people who will break all the rules. What I mean by this, by rules, is who came up with these methods? We lost our right to turn the sick away. We actually did. When we made Jesus Lord, we lost our right to say, you don't fit my flow chart. Because at the core, we do pray for the sick so they'd get the breakthrough. But at the core... We pray for the sick so that the stripes of Jesus would never be wasted. We, we live with an indebtedness that he was flogged, that he suffered and died, that he shed his blood. I live with an indebtedness. I have to lay hands on the sick. And I can't turn away the mom with fourth stage cancer who wants to watch her child graduate because it just doesn't fit church growth culture. You see, these are idols that have been raised up. And the Lord is looking for what David Wagner talked about. These Elijah type, these spirit and power of Elijah guys who who go, you know what, I'm going to put the knife to the jugular of that lie. And there's a way to do it without being full of anger. But I'll tell you what, David, listen, David killed Goliath not because he merely hated Goliath. It's because he loved the God of Israel. These things have to bow. And so we've determined in our own minds what the visitor likes. How do we know what the visitor likes? They would much rather see a miracle than a muffin. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what are you talking about? Wait, what? Where where did this come from? I had a guy sit down with me. They were evidently one of the fastest growing churches in America. Praise God. Praise God. But he sat down with me. He's like, what's your secret? I'm like, for what? He's like, for the growth of your Sunday night meetings. I go, the Lord? He goes, no, you know what I mean. I go, no, I really, I don't know what you mean. What? No, like, what's your real secret? 
What's the strategy? I said, oh, we sing to him until he comes and then we try to do what he likes. It's like, what? So yeah, and then, then I teach the word from the presence. Because he's like, well, is it presence or word? I go, who said we had to choose? Is it the cloud of his glory or the teaching of the word? Why don't we teach the scriptures from the cloud? See, the devil will always offer you choices God never intended you to make. It's, it's, it's deception. If the word is his heart on paper, why would I not want to teach his word while I'm holding his hand? That's what John G. Lake said. He said, when I preach, I have one hand on the throne and one hand on the sick. What's he saying? I have two conversations going on at the same time. One with you and one with him. And that, that's what makes the one with you productive. I hear people say the church is all about people. Well, it's really not. It's about Jesus. It's really not. It's, it's really not about us. We did not die, we did not shed our blood, and we were not buried, and we were not raised. It's all about Jesus. Now, here's the beautiful thing. When he comes in, he touches people. And you don't kill yourself trying. So you might get labeled a, ready? A presence guy. God forbid. Wouldn't that make us a God people? (laughs) You're really into the presence. You mean I'm really into Jesus? See what he's doing is he's destroying, he's whittling away in his holy fire every other thought, every other ambition, until our only answer to every issue is, just, is this, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Are you sick? I have an answer. His name is Jesus. Are you bound? I have a, um, an answer. He's a mighty deliverer. His name is Jesus. You need power? I know the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. Are you dead? I know the one who is resurrection and life. So he doesn't just raise you as resurrection. He keeps you alive because he's life. So he's all in all. (laughs) And then the Bible says that he descended and ascended so he'd fill all things. The scripture also says that it's in him all things consist. That means he is all things and fills all things. Guess what that leaves us with? Just him. You say, you say, I need more. How can you have more than everything? So we go, I, I, I know this Jesus thing. I gotta go deeper. I, I started with Jesus. You have to understand, bro, I'm born again. I started with Jesus. I've moved on to, to deeper realms. I found another realm. I started, you know, I was saved 10 years ago. Bro, don't tell me about Jesus anymore. You don't want a realm that's not in his heart. Andrew Murray said this, if you are looking for your end, you will find it in your beginning. So if you're wondering, what is my spiritual life to look like in the future? I'll tell you what it is. The multiplication of how it all began. This is the biblical pattern. Moses finds the Lord in a burning bush at Sinai. You remember that? And his first calling, his first calling 
before he was to bring Israel to the promised land, his first calling was first bring them back to this place. You see, when you've had an encounter, you will forever be able to bring people to that place. And so it started in a bush maybe this big. And by the way, when Stephen gave his address in Acts 7, Stephen called that bush a thorn bush. Let me give you the picture. Here is God who is a consuming fire wearing a thorn bush. It was a prophetic picture that one day, the Ancient of Days, God himself would put on a a body and trade heaven's diadem and be crowned with thorns so that we would get a breakthrough and have a renewed mind. So ultimately, Moses began to tend to that presence. Listen, this is so important. He began to tend to that presence, that consuming fire. And what began as, as a fire maybe this big began to speak. And the voice always comes from the presence. So stop just looking for doors and find the door. His name is Jesus. The voice began to come from the presence. If you hang out with Jesus long enough, he will begin to talk to you. And he will ask you to do things you don't want to do. (laughs) And he has the right to do that. Moses begins to tend to the voice and walk in obedience. And as he begins to steward the voice of God that flows from the presence of God, we see that that fire began to grow. And it would soon become a pillar behind them and Israel's rear guard. The best way to keep your past away from you is to stare at the fire. And God will ultimately become your rear guard and he starts shooting lightning out of the fiery presence, that pillar of cloud, at Israel's enemies. Pretty amazing. And soon that cloud would lead them through the Red Sea. And then at one point, Moses says, would hit, um, Paul says, would hit reverse, basically, and go right through Israel and baptize them into his presence. Later on, we see that cloud lead them to Mount Sinai. So it goes from a bush to the size of a pillar of cloud to the size of a cloud of fire covering an entire mountain. That's what stewardship does. Anything God gives us demands multiplication. Especially if it is in this context from one generation to the next. And that might freak us out. For those of you who got something for free and impartation, we have to lay our lives down to see it multiply. It is what it is. This is the kingdom way. So Moses goes up. He hears the invitation from the Lord. He goes up that mountain and begins to live, listen, begins to live in the atmosphere that he spent his life yielding to. What you steward will one day become your home. It'll become your life. It'll become the atmosphere you live in. And so Moses goes and lives in the glory of God. The Bible says he has no food, no water, It becomes his world. And he was so hungry and so yielded, he sat at the front door of the presence for seven days. Seven days he waited until God invited him. Nobody just jumps on in 
we have to realize whenever God makes himself available, it is a full-on invitation. The most weighty, glorious invitation in the universe is this, come and be with me. So Moses sits there, God says come on in, he comes on in, that becomes the world he lives in. Later on he comes down the mountain and Israel can't even look at him. Listen closely, what began as a fire the size of a bush began to grow and became the size of a pillar of cloud. Then grew and increased until it covered a whole mountain. Then an invitation came from what Moses had been stewarding. The Lord said, come up here. And Moses went in and he lived in the presence. But at some point, the presence he was willing to die for, to steward and protect, at some point, it took up residence in his face. And at that point, Moses became the message. I believe in, in, in healthy communication, but there is a difference between preaching about something and preaching Jesus. There is a place in God where God so possesses us that, as Bill talked about last night, our countenance begins to say something. And these are what the Jesus people look like. This is it right here. It is a people who are addicted to God himself. They can't shake him. They don't go to their devotionals. They go to Jesus. When they go to their Bible, they realize they're going to the Lord through the scriptures. They go to church for Jesus. They preach for Jesus. They realize that every altar call is just another offering to Jesus. They sing to Jesus. They're pulling songs down from heaven that come from him. They are, they are from him, about him, and to him. That has to happen. If it, qualif it is to qualify as worship, it must come from the Lord, be about the Lord, and be unto the Lord. If it's not from the Lord, we will never give it to the Lord. It's, I, I've, I've been seeing in the spirit for, for weeks now, God is raising up a company of Levites, of priests. I'm telling you, I can feel it. The Levite knew what, how to do two things, minister to the Lord and use his sword. And these Levites are, are they're coming, they, they, they're arising. God has these, these worshipers, you worship leaders in the room, don't you dare think that you are second fiddle. You're not second fiddle, you're the tip of the spear. I said, you're the tip of the spear. We are called to be a kingdom of priests. Our first ministry is unto Jesus himself. I'll never forget telling Heidi, Heidi, I tried so hard for years. Until one day, the Holy Spirit began to take me along this journey of worship. And then Jesus just started coming into the meetings and doing everything I used to strive to do. And he did it way better. And she looked at me. She cocked her head around, you know. Her eyes were all trippy and this was like 2012 I didn't know her very well then I was like she's like isn't it much easier that way I said oh yeah
There's a priestly company coming. They, they are not for sale. They're not coerced. They're not after a career. I heard somebody tell my friend over at Upper Room, Michael Miller, they're like, bro, no one's going to sing your songs. Those are too long for the radio. I said, bro, I guarantee you it's not longer than the song they sing in heaven forever. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's a long one. It's forever. (laughs) How do you even put that on your little podcast thing? It's just forever. That's what we're going to sing. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. They've learned the tender touch of the presence all along. And as much as we must love people, but we love them best when we love Jesus most. And so whether you're in a storefront church or you're in a stadium, it's kind of just all the same. It's just you and him. And you give him what he wants and he responds. And if you were me, you learned that all alone in a, in a prayer closet. Man, I learned listening when I got saved to a guy named Ron Canoli. I was so green, so wet behind the ears, I thought it was the only worship CD in the world. I really did. And I would, I would hit the button, and I'd feel the Lord come, song two. Hit the button again. Nothing on song three. I'd go to song four. I'd feel him on song four. I'll do that again. The next day, I'd go to song four. Nothing. And the Lord's revealing, I'm not a machine, I'm a person. You've got to do this thing every day. You've got to walk with me. That's why the Lord is fire, wind, wine, bread, a river. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say he is an outline, he is a PowerPoint, he is a manual, he is a system, he is a method. So I discovered something. He wanted me to dance on Monday and wait on Tuesday. What's he doing there? He's pulling me close. Pulling me close. This is the heart that is arising right now. And there is no disconnect between this heart and the harvest. The Bible says in the book of Amos that one day this great tabernacle of David would arise. This great tent of David. That it would arise again. It would be restored. Do you know that 80% of the Psalms were written from David's tent during David's lifetime? This was a wild place. It's the kind of place you may not want to bring your cool friend. Like Jay's son, Elijah, he brought him, last time I preached at College View, he brought a friend. (laughs) And I didn't know that Jay and Lauren had been praying, Lord, bring the right friends into Elijah's life. So he brought them in. He's like, either bring the right ones or get rid of the wrong ones. Any parents ever pray that prayer? (laughs) You're welcome, buddy. So... One of the guys watching me preach, like bolted, he just ran out of, the, ran out of the, the meeting. And Elijah went to grab his keys, he couldn't find them. Elijah's like, where are my keys, bro? He goes, Dude, that kid goes, I got out of there, man, that was wild. It was just too crazy in there. <laughs> That's what we need. We need free worship. We need the fire 
of the Holy Spirit. And this is what is promised in the book of Amos. This is what is promised, that the Gentiles would come in. It is absolutely connected to the harvest. Ministering to Jesus actually triggers a harvest around the world. You say, why is that important? Because that means a grandma at home who doesn't necessarily have the calling of a Reinhard Bunke, she can minister to Jesus and trigger a harvest in the Middle East. It's about him. The whole thing's about him, man. It's not about us. It's not about... We live in a, we're actually dealing with a generation who gauges anointing based on Instagram followers. That's what my kids' generation is dealing with. He must be really called. He has more followers than me. But the Lord's looking for these, these Davids who've learned all along the tangible presence of the Lord. They said, oh, that key, that key created this feeling in his heart. That song caused this reaction. That dance did something to him. He, he responded, and then as I respond back, he issues another response, and before you know it, you're walking with God. I sat with Oral Roberts one day, because we weren't seeing any miracles in our ministry back then. And, and I felt led to teach into this because tomorrow night I felt led to preach the gospel and just go for it. But I feel like God is teeing us up and it began with what Bill said and progressed with what David said. And I, I really feel that God is trying to posture us for encounters in the fire and in the power of God. So I sat with Oral and I said, Doc, I just call him Doc. Doc, nothing happens in my meetings. Uh, we have a church, and I, I like to say it like this. If you wanted a church where no one got saved and healed, we were the church for you. We were the best, and we, were, we should have been called Miracle Free Christian Center. Where all stay lost and stay sick. That wasn't our mission statement, but it should have been. You know you're really horrible when your own wife won't come to your meetings. Just, I'd be like, babe, you coming this morning? She goes, no, this is horrible. <laughs> She's like, I'm staying home. I was so desperate. So I sat with Oral. I go, hey, doc, what's the secret? He's like, what? What's the secret? He's like, to what? He said, to the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, you need to meet Jesus. I said, no, no, I did that. That's when I was 12. He goes, you're more messed up than I thought. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, what's the secret that you never told anyone about? You need to meet Jesus, son. I walked out of there. I'll never forget, I took an offering to him to honor him. He pulled it out, which made me feel even more (laughs) nervous. I'm like, he's gonna read it in front of me, the amount? 
So he took it out, read it. He goes, thanks, I believe I'm good soil. Put it in his back pocket, and that was it. I thought, what was that? I went over there for an impartation. That was horrible. So I went back again. Doc, no, really, what? Come on, I'm right here. What's the secret? He said, go meet Jesus, boy. Then I went and met with Rex Humbard multiple times. We talked about him this morning. I said, Pastor Rex, what was the secret to those miracles? He said, Jesus. I said, man, all these guys are confused. I don't think they've got it. I don't understand. So ultimately, the time came where I took my Bible and listening to Bill during those moments helped me and tortured me at the same time. He's, I listened to those testimonies back then. He'd be like, yeah, we, the one about the fish, when you said, I wonder if a fish can eat a bee or something. I was like, how do you get there? I'm just trying to get an allergy healed. You know, like. <laughs> but I, I, I feel to say this. It's in those moments where you make a choice to choose the arm of the flesh or to believe the promise of God. So I took my Bible and I said this, Father, my life is not matching up with your promises. It's not matching up with the life of Jesus and it's not matching up with the life of the apostles. It's either your fault or mine. (laughs) Something tells me it's not yours. (laughs) Fault's the wrong word. But it's either on you or me. He didn't even have to answer. I was like, I know the answer. It's totally not you. So I began to fast and to pray and spend time with the Lord. A year went by, two years went by. Multiple opportunities along the way to bow, to compromise, to build something with my own hands. But something in me, this still small voice would say, hold on, don't you give up. It'll be worth it at the end. So I got invited to play golf, praise God, in Connecticut. I lived in Southern Cal. I flew up there. The guy I was playing with, he was in his 60s. He was walking like one of those speed walkers. You know those dudes were just like, I can't even figure out how they do that. They're just, he was hauling down the golf course. And my back was hurting. I was taking a leave. And I'm thinking, how is this 64-year-old destroying me out here? I was 30. And I said, man, you walk fast. He goes, did you know I was crippled? I'm like, that makes it even worse. Like, wow. He goes, yeah. He goes, I had a cerebral hemorrhage. I had a stroke. I lost complete use of my left leg. And then while I was in the hospital, your father-in-law came on. And he said, and the Lord spoke to me, in 21 days you'll be healed. And I looked at the screen, and 21 days to the day Benny was coming to Baltimore. So I had my wife drive me down there. I went in. I got completely healed. In a moment, I ran up the stairs, never been crippled again. He goes, why don't you come to my church tonight? He goes, but I don't want you to preach. I just want you to sit there. And when he said it, something began to stir in my gut. And I pray to God that something's stirring in you. May it happen, Lord. And this this stirring, and, and and I heard in my spirit, you thought you came up here for golf. Tonight's your night. So I walked into this little Lutheran church. 
October 23rd, 2007. And there was a guy there who wasn't so spiritual at the time. I walked through the door. I knew him well. He looked at me. He goes, you ever feel like something's about to happen to you? I go, yeah. He goes, oh. And he walked away. I'm like, what was that? It's like Balaam's donkey. I was like, that's so wild. God used you. I can't believe it. So it's wild. So another lady walks up to me. She goes, hey, welcome. I go, hey, do you go to church here? She goes, no, I was blind. I got healed here. So occasionally I stop by to say thanks to the Lord. I go, oh, okay. That sounds good. It's a good idea. She goes, yeah. And this YWAMer took the platform. He was like the quintessential, like just the perfect YWAMer. You know, Birkenstocks, cut off shorts, like the, the guitar. And he was like, He's like, I'm just going to play. I'm going to play, bro. I'm like, yeah, you might as well at this point. So he hit the first chord. There were like 70 people in there. And when he did, it felt like the heavens tore open over me. And the blessed fire of the Holy Spirit fell on me. I began to laugh and to cry and to laugh again. I was cold. I was hot. I was shaking. I was holding on to the pews. And I remember, I'm just going to be really open with you. There were older people in there. And I go, if this power hits the older people, they're all going to die. There's no way. There's no way. I was hyperventilating. I was holding on like, whoa. And I felt like if I, I'm not joking. I felt like if I breathed the wrong way, I would die. Like if I thought the wrong thing, it was so wonderful, but so intense, so full of love and fear. All at the same time, I discovered he's lion and lamb at the same time. So I, I, I prayed a wild prayer. If this is you, Lord. <laughs> Who else could it be? If, it, if, it was, if this is you, Lord, have this Lutheran uh, pastor give me the meeting. And I opened my eyes and he was right there. And he goes, hey, you got something to say? Like, this is an hour in, an hour in, I'm... I'm, I can't even explain properly the weighty glory of God that came. And I said, I think I do. He goes, take the meeting. And so I took the meeting. And when I did, for the first time, the sick were healed. A girl was healed with leukemia. People flooded the altar. I learned something that night. It really is not by might. It's not by our power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is what I want to leave you with right now. This is what I want to leave you with. Provision has been made. You're not just here by accident. The Lord longs to encounter you. Settle for nothing less. Lift your hands and would you stand please. Actually, come on. Let, let's, let's just go to the Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus your holy, holy presence would fall on us this week in a life-changing way. And I ask, Lord, that, that those who felt like they, they need to give up, that they're throwing in the towel, that they don't believe the promise anymore, or they're doubting, I pray that you would reignite faith, faith that your promises are yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 
To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.